What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. It is Friday. You know what that means from the NFL Network and the Ball Blast Football Podcast. Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. So um, I have a little bit of a beef to, you know, call out with this team right now. All right. This is how wow. I'm starting the podcast. Coming strong. Angry. Because, listen, guys. I have to deal with my terrible Steelers, right? So that's my sad team. And I had all of my hopes and dreams <laughs> and happiness on the 49ers. I was like, okay, at least I have a team that's fun. And then I have a team that makes me sad. I can't have two teams that make me sad. This is not okay. It's not fair. And the 49ers are letting me down. Oh, you sound like the latest reviewer, Cali Mom 39 gave us three stars, too much of a downer. I didn't think the instant reaction show could be more painful than the second quarter of the Chiefs game, but it was. You hate the coach. You hate the quarterback. What do you like? The shirts? I thought they <laughs> fell apart, but not that it was humiliating. You can tell the truth without being cruel. I watched the Chiefs lose to the Colts this year. Anyone can have a bad day. If I want this kind of rage and negativity, I'll listen to political shows. And as I always say, when people leave these kind of reviews, the 49ers got dog walked by the Chiefs. I don't know what you wanted me to be positive about. There was nothing positive. Now, is it one game? Yes, it only counts for one loss in the standings. They could look much better this week. But if you're talking about on an instant reaction show to a game you lost 44 to 23, I think it was, what do you want me to be positive about, Callie Mom? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely not going to be the episode for her. So if you're listening, Kelly, mom, this is it's not going to be a fun episode for you. We have to dig into the problems and what needs to be fixed. It's not just us crapping on the team for no reason. It's trying to understand, OK, what's the problem? How can it change? What needs to change? And, you know, we can't just be like, oh, things will just get better. Things will get better. Like, why are they struggling? And we're going to dig into that. But it's not all just about hating on the team like there's a reason behind us discussing it it's not hating on the team to accurately describe their play and if their play is bad you say it's bad and if it's good you say it's good as i said on the instant reaction show christian mccaffrey looked fantastic looked as good as advertised it was pretty much all the good there was on sunday but let's get into some of the issues michelle by the way keep rate review follow if you leave a review like we just proved we will read it good bad or ugly what do you think is the biggest problem with the 49ers right now? Well, you know, I am not a big Kyle Shanahan fan. I have said this in multiple times and then normally he makes me look stupid. He hasn't made me look stupid yet this year, but it's the offense that something's something's going on with them. And I know Shanahan's supposed to be the brains of the operation, but last week, I hit on three of my four bets, I said, right? It was the three player prop bets I got. We could talk about those later. And the one I didn't hit on was the three touchdowns. Here's the thing. Yeah. That episode never aired because they traded for Christian McCaffrey. So we went with the instant reaction show because everything we said on the episode, we taped that before the Christian McCaffrey deal went down. So just know that Michelle is lying to you. She missed all her bets last week. It's a complete lie. And uh, yeah, that's how that went down. So I spent 40 minutes of my life on Thursday. Well, we did recording know. an episode that did not drop. 
And uh, I was flying that day. And you, okay. All right. I am. I didn't okay. know they were going to trade for Christian wow. McCaffrey. Don't blame me. Wow. The, the, the hoops I jumped through to record <laughs> the episode for you. You jumped through. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyways, we'll get over that. I was very good, guys. I hit on <laughs> all three of my player props. The, the biggest issue here is that the passing game is just not working. Right. When you're looking at their passing offense, they have a negative 7.2 completion percentage over expectation this year. According to next gen stats, only the bears and the Panthers are worse this season. And then like the teams that are better, but right behind them, the Broncos and the jets. So these are not good teams, not good offenses you want to be in. And I don't know what tweet, 49ers, you know, is sharing around from that one random guy on Twitter about the drops. PFF and Next Gen both have Jimmy G with only crediting him with only six drops for PFF, seven drops for Next Gen towards the bottom of the league. Like, honestly, like a, a lot of other quarterbacks have dealt with way more drops this year. His drop percentage is actually really low. I don't know where that one guy is getting his drop information from. What are your thoughts about that? Some of the drops they've had have been on big plays. So I think maybe it it sticks in people's mind a little bit more, like the Ray Ray McLeod drop against the Falcons, the uh, Charlie Warner drop. There have been some big ones, but I mean, the offense is not functioning right now. It is incapable of carrying a team that doesn't have a top flight defense. And that's a problem when your coach is supposed to be a genius and you have really good offensive pieces. This isn't the Bears where it's Darnell Mooney and a bunch of people you've never heard of. The offense should be better. They have a veteran quarterback who's been in the system for multiple years. It can't be this bad for this long. And you got to right the ship here. There's no more excuses. There's no more context. There's no more nothing. I am so done with all of that. Be better, period, end of story. And these are two things that it might be the issues with the offense here. First off, Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing behind the line of scrimmage on 23% of his dropbacks. 23%. Last year, absurd. Last year, he was at 15%. The only two quarterbacks throwing at a higher rate behind the line of scrimmage is Aaron Rodgers, which the Packers offense looks horrible as well. Mm -hmm. And they have no wide receivers. And then Justin Fields. Those are the only two throwing at a higher percent. Baker Mayfield is tied with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you look at quarterbacks, percent of dropbacks, the quarterback gets out of the pocket. So actually is able to make plays when everything is not on script. Everything doesn't go perfectly to plan like Kyle Shanahan wants it to be. And that's the only way his offense can apparently work out in his mind. But when you're looking at percentage of dropbacks, the quarterback gets out of the pocket. Jimmy Garoppolo is at, uh, sorry, 9%, 9% of the time. The only quarterbacks with a lower such percent are Tom Brady, who literally, he literally can't move, <laughs> Mac Jones, and Andy Dalton. Those are the only three to qu- three quarterbacks with the worst percent. So it's either this play gets executed perfectly or, or nothing. Like That's really it. Those are the only two options. You have nothing else when you have Jimmy Garoppolo back there. And I don't want to put everything on him. I think it's the play calling. I do think that uh, these, you know, wide receivers and playmakers are making mistakes sometimes and they are making big drops. It's everybody, but I, I, the two I'm going to blame the hardest is definitely Jimmy and Kyle Shanahan. 
But you want complementary pieces. And what I mean what I mean by that is the reason the Chiefs offense is so good, as we just saw, is because you have Andy Reid, who's the best offensive mind of his generation, with Patrick Mahomes. And most of the time, Andy Reid's going to call a play that gets somebody open because he's that damn good. But if he doesn't call the perfect play at the perfect time, Mahomes can improvise, roll out, extend the play, and still make really good plays keep the chains moving, keep the offense going down the field. 49ers don't have that. So Kyle Shanahan, they got to be perfect all the time. There's no margin for error. Their whole offense is on a tightrope every game. Kyle Shanahan's got to call the perfect play. Everybody's got to execute their job perfectly. No holding penalties. Jimmy Garoppolo's got to see the right person, throw to the right person. The receiver has to catch the ball, protect the ball, and get down. And then, okay, (laughs) guess what? That's play one of what needs to be a 10 or 12 play drive. That's a lot of things that have to go right every single time. Yeah, and uh, I'll say on their drives where they score a touchdown, they're only averaging 6.9 plays per drive, which is one of the best in the league when they score the touchdown. So actually when they're good, they're getting those chunk plays. They're doing it. They're not relying on those you know, nine play drives because it's not working for them because sooner or later you're going to make a mistake. And if you make a mistake in Kyle Shannon, Shanahan's offense, everything falls apart. There is no plan B. It's plan A or you're done. That's pretty much it. Uh, I will say uh, the 49ers are struggling with percentage of drives that end in a score, field goal or touchdown. They're 25th with scoring on just 32% of drives. The only teams that are worse are the Titans, Colts, Panthers, Broncos, Packers, Steelers, and Commanders. So again, this offense is not performing. And I, who are you putting it on? Maybe everybody, but I, I do think Kyle Shanahan needs to change some things up. Like you're the play caller, fix it. And part of the reason I think that the Niners offense doesn't end drives with scores is because of something that I've talked about a lot, but I'm going to bring it up again. Kyle Shanahan doesn't go for it on fourth down when he should. They are last in the league, Michelle, by a a large margin of going for it when they should in 2022. They don't do it. And when your offense is struggling, you got to give yourself a chance. I don't think he's ever going to fix that. I mean, weren't we just excited a a couple weeks ago because he finally went for it? It was against the Panthers, a team he wasn't scared to lose against. He went for it and it worked out and it was all good. And we said, well, maybe it was just because he wasn't scared of the Panthers offense. And now he's going back to being scared. He was scared of the Chiefs offense. Clearly, that's why he's not going for it. But like those are the games you have to be more aggressive. Yes. Those are the games when you have to, you know that the other offense is going to score points because no matter how good your defense is, even though they haven't been good the last couple of weeks, but like no matter how good your defense is, Patrick Mahomes is going to figure out a way to score points. You have to realize that. And punting or going for the field goals instead, like just not a good way to try to beat Mahomes. That is such a correctable thing, right? All you got to do is look at that chart and be like, damn, maybe we could be better in this one area, right? Like clearly what we're doing is not working. And that's the frustrating thing. It's like what you're doing is not working. You have been burned by this strategy repeatedly. We have seen it. And it's part of the reason why Kyle Shanahan is so bad in the second half. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But yet, if you go for it on fourth down one time and you don't get it, people are like, oh, see, we got burned by that. We should never do it again. Like, it's just so backwards, the thinking to me. 
your offense is struggling. Why would you want to take the ball out of their hands and give them fewer chances to score? I really need an explanation on that. Because Shanahan is stubborn and he's not going to change. He he's not. Stubborn. He's just not. He's the most stubborn person I don't know. <laughs> it's like he, I just never felt like knew somebody to my core that I've not, never even met, never even talked to, but you, you just know exactly who he is. I cannot. Oh my goodness. Just a stubborn man. He is definitely consistent. That is for sure. Okay. Let's get to the stat of the week because it's been going around. I've been talking about it on multiple shows. Pretty much everybody here at Niners nation has been talking about, and that is that Kyle Shanahan, after halftime, is not good. (laughs) He is 7-30 and in his career with the Niners when losing at halftime, and he's 1-30 and when trailing by three or more points going into the fourth quarter. Now, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I'm so grateful that you're part of Niners Nation is because you are an amazing researcher, and I needed some more context with this stat because three or more points means, yeah, you could be trailing by three. You could also be trailing by 300. So that doesn't really give us a full picture of how bad Kyle Shanahan is when he's trailing. So I asked you for some more context on this stat. You went into the lab, you did all your calculations and all your research to quote my cousin, Vinny, one of my favorite movies of all time. What'd you find out? All right. So I looked at a bunch of different things, but let's start with just the fourth quarter. So losing by three or fewer points at any point in the fourth quarter. So not just entering the fourth quarter, any point. Shanahan has the most such losses since 2017. When he's, when his team is losing by three or four fewer points at any point in the fourth quarter. Now, if you're just looking at his win percentage, he's eight and 20. He has a 0.286 win percentage in such situations. There's only 11 coaches that have a worse win percentage since 2017 in these situations. That's Matt Rule, fired. Hugh Jackson, fired. Matt Patricia, fired. Vic Fangio, fired. Dirk Cutter, fired. Todd Bowles was fired. Now a coach again. Pat Shermer, fired. And then Doug Marone, fired. You have Zach Taylor and Kevin Stefanski and Cliff Kingsbury. Those are the three that are still coaches that have a worse record in front of him. That's it. That's the group he's in. So again, just to clarify for people, Shanahan in the fourth quarter when losing by three or fewer. So keep that in mind. A field goal or less is eight and 20 in his career. That speaks to game management it speaks to aggression it speaks to just not being able to adjust when things are not going according to plan and that's hideously bad losing by three or fewer points at any point in the second half not even just the fourth quarter again he has the most such losses since 2017 when you're looking at his win percentage he's 12 for 23 the only coaches that have worse are doug marone fired uh dan quinn Fired, and then Zach Taylor and Cliff Kingsbury. What you'll notice here is Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor are all in this group with Kyle Shanahan. But I personally don't think Zach Taylor is a good co- uh, coach. Like I get he got to the Super Bowl last year. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were absolutely amazing. I thought he made a lot of mistakes, and I, I didn't think they should have extended him, but whatever. But we all know Cliff Kingsbury is not a good coach. You're talking about trailing at any point, right? Trailing. 
yeah. two, you know, 13 minutes to go in the game or two minutes to go in the game or anything. And again, this has been six, this is year six now. And now he's so he's 12 and 23 when trailing by three or fewer at any point in the second half. That means he loses twice as often as he wins in that situation. And I, I get that, like, maybe some other coaches might not be great in that situation, but this is really, really bad. And it's becoming harder and harder to cape for Kyle Shanahan. You know, and you say maybe other coaches aren't good in this situation, but I took a look losing by one score at any point in the second half. So that's one to eight points. Again, Shanahan has the most such losses since 2017 among all coaches. And he's in a group with a bunch of guys who all have fired besides Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor uh, for being below 300 uh, in that metric. Ooh, what's his a... record? Do you have his record? Yep. Um, 13 and 34. So oh. 0.277. When you're looking at the guys at the top of this in the record in these situations, losing by a score anytime after halftime, the top is Andy Reid, Mike Vrabel, Sean Payton, Bruce Arians, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll and Sean McVay. Like those are the good coaches like that. That adds up, right? You're like, oh yeah, those guys should have good records because their teams normally do pretty well. And you can sit there and say, well, he has Jimmy Garoppolo or well, his quarterbacks have been injured. He picks the quarterbacks. And so it all goes on him. There's no way for him to wiggle out of this because I know the context police are coming. Like, no, it's all on him. And I get it. They wanted to go with Trey Lance this year, and I understand that. But Trey Lance is hurt, and Jimmy Garoppolo's in. And why is Jimmy Garoppolo the 49ers quarterback? Because Kyle Shanahan approached Jimmy Garoppolo and brought him back this year. So there's no there's no room for Kyle Shanahan to escape there. He has to own this. He has to own all of it. And he has to fix it, Michelle. He has to fix it. Do you have any faith that he can or will? I mean, it seems like once they lose enough games where they actually get scared that they can miss the playoffs, he ends up fixing it. It would just be nice if he could fix it. Well, here we are. <laughs> Prior to that, like this is a must-win game, and they always beat the Rams in the regular season, seven straight wins. So it should be fixed this week. We'll see if it'll keep continue to be fixed as we go along. But I don't know. I'm worried because – they have all the playmakers they could possibly need. Like this team is stacked. There is no reason that they're struggling. There is no reason that they couldn't. I know you guys didn't hear last week's podcast, but I said three touchdowns, right? There's three total touchdowns. You should be able to score against the chiefs defense because every other team this year has besides the Colts, they all scored three or more. They played plenty of offenses that have struggled this year, but they still scored three or more touchdowns against the chiefs and the 49ers couldn't do it. Like what is wrong with this offense? They have everybody they need. They're so, uh, Shanahan's supposed to be the smartest offensive coach in the league. Something's off here. Either your guys aren't as good as we think they are, or Shanahan's not as good as he thinks he is. I'm siding with that side that Shanahan's not as good as he thinks he is. And one of those has to be true or maybe both, I suppose, but I mean, I, I look at the players on the field. They look pretty damn good to me when they get the ball in positions to succeed. It just goes to show other teams do not stop Kyle Shanahan. They don't. When he's on, they can score against anybody. And when he's off, they can just grind to a halt against anybody. 
Kyle Shanahan is the only one that stops Kyle Shanahan. And why anybody would think that an offense that's throwing passes at or behind the line of scrimmage on 23% of dropbacks would be good. I have no idea. I don't care how good your guys are with the, with the ball in their hands. If the defense knows the screen is coming, they're going to be able to stop it. I mean, yeah. And defenses, if you're doing it that often, right. Then the yards after the catch are not going to be the same anymore. Right. The defenses are going to be right there, ready for it. They know what's going to happen. So that this cannot continue. They need to be passing down the field more often. It cannot just be behind the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. Oh my goodness. Why isn't everyone blocking perfectly? Why isn't Devo getting the same yards after catch? Why blah, 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 blah. Like, no, when you're doing the same thing over and over again, defenses know and everything becomes harder. And that's why there's mistakes happening. Make it easier on yourself. And maybe Christian McCaffrey will do that. Maybe he will help open things up. The thing I'm worried about is... No, the thing that... Yeah, it's throw just screens make, to Christian yes. McCaffrey. <laughs> no, this is my biggest worry about trading for McCaffrey is utilizing your running back heavily in the passing game does not usually work well for offenses. Think last year with the Steelers. They had passed to Najee Harris a gazillion and one times. It was terrible for the offense. Think about the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey looking awesome in the receiving game. But the issue is when a running back looks awesome in the receiving game, he's averaging 10 yards per reception. That would be very low for a wide receiver. So their best is low when it comes to the other positions. So utilizing that too much is not a good thing for an offense. We've seen the Panthers offense be terrible with Christian McCaffrey. Now the, the chargers have been using Austin Eckler pretty much nonstop in the passing game. He has so many receptions. Their offense stinks this year. The Packers have no one to pass to besides Aaron Jones. Basically their offense stinks this year. So I really don't want McCaffrey to be used all that often. Like I get like you need to use him because he's special, but like, I don't want him to get a hundred targets. No. What I think McCaffrey's best contribution to this offense could be is number one, literally seeing the correct hole and running towards it. And number two, getting more yards than are blocked, getting more yards that are there. Even in his 22 snaps last week, you saw him spin out of tackles, him fall forward, him just squeeze every ounce of yardage out that's there to be gained. And that will help them stay ahead of the change because that's so important in this offense. I think he's going to consistently gain four and five yards on the ground as a straight up running back that I think is going to continue to put the Niners hopefully in advantageous situations that will allow them to move the ball down the field and maybe hit some of those big chunk plays. If this McCaffrey thing is going to work, I think that's how it's going to work. Uh, And what we really just talked about, putting yourself in good situations, right? Well, let's bring up another issue for the 49ers real quick. Oh, boy. The kickoff returns. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. This is why I was making fun of everybody when they thought they had next Randy Moss. I swear to God, when Ray Ray McLeod was signed, the tweets I saw out with his highlight plays and people were so excited for this guy. It's like, I don't know. You don't know what you're getting, apparently. Ray Ray McLeod is averaging 17.6 yards per kickoff return. That is the lowest among all returners with over five kickoff returns this year. It's, it's been really bad. And what I was talking about before with their touchdown results, they've had 15 drives to the touchdown this year on those drives, their average 
position where they got the ball on offense was at the 41 yard line. So that's where, I mean, that makes sense, right? That's where they're succeeding, but that's the third highest in the league. Like that's the third best. They need to be getting better field position for this team to be scoring more often. That sounds so obvious, but this is not working. Ray Ray McLeod doing kick returns is not working. He's terrible. He takes the ball out of the end zone and then he returns it to the 15, where if he just knelt, they get the ball at the 25. But it all it all goes together, right? So the offense is not getting big plays, so that means they have to have long drives. But the offense is not returning the ball well on special teams, so that means all their drives are starting close to the goal line, right? You just take the exact same drive, and instead of it starting at the 15, it starts at the 25 or the 30. Maybe you can get a field goal out of that. Or maybe you can be in a position to where you might go for it on fourth down, believe it or not, if that were ever to happen. But it all works together. And that's when we look at the offense and why they're having those problems. This is all part of it. It all goes into the stew and it needs to be better or just average, right? Just be average instead of being horrible. This team is so infuriating because... When a team is bad, you're like, yeah, their roster stinks or they're like, or like the Steelers situation, the roster stinks. And you're like, you know, Matt Canada is so incredibly bad. He's the offensive coordinator. Like if you were to get fired, no one's going to pick him up because he's just so, so really incredibly bad. Uh, I don't even know how he's in the NFL, but with Kyle Shanahan, you know, like the talent is there, right? Like you can see that he's creative enough and can come up with good enough plays. And you, like you've seen You've seen sparks where he's been able to do it. So you know a team's going to give him another shot, and I think that's your worry. Like, what if he's better with another team? And then also you see the roster, and you're like, we have all the pieces. Like, we have all the pieces. Why is this team struggling? And that's what makes it so much harder to swallow right now with this record. And But it gives us hope, right? It's like, okay, well, we have it all. You just got to put it together. And last year they put it together. And it was right around this time. And they ended up putting it together and making a run. So there is still hope. And luckily, they play in the NFC. Although, just the whole NFL sucks right now, really. It doesn't matter what <laughs> conference you're in. So luckily, there's definitely still in it. I mean, there's still hope. But you can't. It's They got to put it together like now. Before we take our break and, and get into some picks for the Rams games, I want to leave on a positive note here. Because I really do believe that this is true. I think that this team will be better after the bye week. And one of the big reasons why is because the coaching staff, I think the mechanism for game planning is not functioning as well as it could. They have had changes at every single offensive position on the coaching staff this offseason. There's not a single offensive coach that is doing exactly the same thing as they did last year for the team. Mike McDaniel left. We've talked about that, how important he was in terms of getting the game plan together, getting Kyle everything he needed to put the game plan together. They're trying to figure that out right now, and you don't have time to evaluate that in the week-to-week grind of the season. At the bye week, that's the perfect time to evaluate it because the players are going to be gone. You're there with just your coaches. You can get in the room. Hey, this here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Let's try and do it this way. You can kind of streamline that process. Now, I know that doesn't fix all the problems, but I could see a world where if the Niners can find a way to get a win this week, which as you've pointed out and everybody has pointed out, they have had good luck against the Rams. They match up well with them. Then you go into your bye week, you come out of the bye, you've got the Chargers who haven't looked great and you've got an extra week to prepare for them. The Cardinals in Mexico, which 
Yeah, they look better with DeAndre Hopkins, but you know, they haven't looked great. The Saints are a disaster. You've got the Dolphins, who are, are pretty good, and somebody you know in Mike McDaniel, and then the Bucks, who look miserable right yeah. now. So you are could potentially be in a situation to make a little bit of a run here. If you can get your house in order, it's there for you. I mean, every single game after the bye is winnable. There's not one game where you're like, yeah, the 49ers should uh, be the underdog in this game. Yeah, because even the Dolphins game is at home. So right. every game is very winnable. That's what... They're they're not even close to being out of playoff contention. They're really not. They're still in it, and they have one of the best rosters in the NFL, especially in, in the NFC. That's what's driving us crazy. But <laughs> you'd rather them look like the. Let's say they do end up putting it together like last year. It is better to go for a run at the end than have a run in the begin or at the beginning of the year and then die off because normally you go into the playoffs as you were towards the end of the year. I still have great hope for this team. I, this is my biggest thing. And I know going back to it is so silly because he's not here. He's not available, but if Trey Lance, if this was the team with Trey Lance, everyone would be putting it on Trey Lance. Everyone would say, see, we should have stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they probably would have already gone to Jimmy Garoppolo at this point because they would have blamed it on the quarterback. But now that it's Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone's like, it's not his fault. This the, you know, <laughs> it's the execution. It's this, it's the drops, which aren't even true. I don't know where that person came up with the drops. They, that's just I false sent Michelle a, information. a tweet about drops that contradicted what she had. It's, and uh, you cannot use sports radar for drops. Like they don't, that's not the platform you use. So you got to use next gen stats or PFF. Like, actually people who have a team watching every single play not i don't even know <laughs> i where didn't they come up with a tweet from. i just read it i swear i just said hey this the is guy doesn't from- even work for anybody and you guys are just taking this point blank information like it's correct all i said was that's different from what i've heard i yeah. presented you the information you said don't follow it i said okay that's it that's all i did i the- feel like you're mad at me yeah, because now everyone's like, see, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. It is. It is. It's everybody's fault. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a massive part of it. And yeah, I'm not that's... saying if Trey Lance was here, this team would have more wins or look better or anything like that. But it wouldn't just be plan A or nothing. There would be a plan A and a plan B because he would be able to get out of the pocket and make a play when everything doesn't work perfectly. And that's all you have with Garoppolo. The crazy thing is, if Trey Lance was the starter and you told me they were going into the bye at four and four, which they could do if they win this week, I would have taken that. I would have said, okay, because I think that he would have gotten better as the year went along. And like we just talked about, like they are in a position as we go down the stretch here that they might be able to make a run. So as weird as it is and as frustrating as it has been, I do think that even in a world where Trey Lance started, if you told me they went into the bye at four and four, I would have signed for that. There, there's still a lot there's of There's no football. chance Lance can come back in the playoffs, right? Well, I, I mean, I, I think they put him on IR. The problem is they're going to run out of, uh, you can only pull back so many people from IR. I think it's six or eight, might be eight. And they've already done, I think, five already. So like technically I think yes he could have because the timeline for his injury is also uh it would fit into where technically he would be healthy before the end of the year but Kyle Shanahan has already said no that's not going to happen so our dreams are dead 
But it would be what a storyline that would be, right? Trey Lance coming out of the the issue the back. is if the 49ers are going to make a run and make the playoffs, then Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to perform well. So then there would be no reason to be like, right, get out of to here. Go to Trey Lance, unless Jimmy got hurt. Is so. What do we think about? We don't have the injury report on Friday. What do we think about Eric Armstead? Any chance he plays this week? Kyle Shanahan said yes. The problem is he has that plantar fasciitis that could flare up literally after any play at any time. So even if he's like, yes, he's good to go, he could play three snaps and it could flare up again and he might not be able to go. It's a very, very painful injury that lingers a lot. So I just don't think you can count on that. And that's a big deal. Because when Eric Armstead so important, like he needs to be there. Clearly, you can see it with the running game, especially like at first it looked like, okay, the 49ers are doing a good job against the chiefs, but then they could just do whatever against them. Like it just was so easy for the chiefs offense. Mm -hmm. Everything was wide open. They were running against them. There was uh, that Clyde Edwards, Alaire uh, rushing touchdown. It's just like, I don't even know if anyone came up like within a yard to him. Like it was so easy for that score. Nicole Hardman's touchdown was so easy. Like everything was so easy for them. We've seen that's what Shanahan has done to other teams at times, right? Where we like we've seen Jeff Wilson this year have 25 yard touchdown runs where he's literally untouched. And that's what it looked like. We mentioned Eric Armstead with him in the lineup. The Niners give up 64 rushing yards a game without Armstead. They give up 111 rushing yards per game. So he makes a massive, massive difference. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll run through some of our best bets for week number eight. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. Okay, Michelle, you were terrible with your picks last week. Everybody heard it. So you really got to make up for it this week. Listen, I just want everyone to know I had Juju over his <laughs> receiving yards. He'd smash that. I had George Kittle over his receiving yards. He smashed that. I had Jimmy Garoppolo over his passing yards. He smashed that. And that episode did not air. <laughs> it's not I, my fault. They traded I for Christian McCaffrey. Did hours of research. Oh my goodness. I can't. All right. Well, keep it going then. Keep the good vibes going this week. Unfortunately, there aren't lines up for player props this week, so I don't really have much to work with, but we we can talk through some players that I would be excited to take. So right now, Cooper cup, it looks like his line's going to be around 96 receiving yards. Uh, So I am definitely taking that over and I would take the over, even if it's a couple yards more, even if it's a hundred yards, like I'm taking that over because (laughs) yeah, a every week, like the reason why I was high on Juju last week, and and the reason I was high on Alameda Zacchaeus the week before that was because the 49ers cannot stop anybody in the slot. They're just they just cannot. Well, Cooper Cup is the best slot wide receiver in the league. And Cooper Cup destroys the 49ers every single time he plays them. The last four games, including the playoffs, it's 142 yards, 122 yards, 122 yards, and 118 yards. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to keep destroying them. He's actually can be, he can join a list of just four other guys to have a streak of five straight games of 100-plus receiving yards versus a single opponent, including the playoffs, since 1960. So he could make Ooh. some he could make some history this week if he does it again, which I very much expect him to do so. There's no reason not to make this bet. Even last in the rematch this year, the 49ers dominated 24-9. to They dominated defensively. Cooper Cup 
14 catches, 122 <laughs> yards. So even when the Rams don't even score a touchdown in the game, he still lights it up. There's no reason not to take Cooper Cup. I agree with you. The only way this doesn't happen is if he, if he gets hurt or maybe if Stafford gets hurt. Other than that, like book it. Death taxes and Cooper Cup owning the Niners. I like it. Best bet number two. All right, so I don't have the line. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I like uh, Christian McCaffrey if they have his scrimmage yards. I'm taking it uh, anywhere set like around 70 scrimmage yards or below. Happy to take it. I think they'll keep it low because it's still only a second game. He didn't get very many touches last week. So I don't think it's going to be his typical line that he had with the Panthers. Um, obviously, it's always a risk that they don't they still are not using him as much because he's literally been in the offense for a week and a half. But he just played the Rams in week six with the Panthers. The last time the Rams played a game, they played against Christian McCaffrey, which is kind of funny. So this is the second week in a row they'll have to, or second game in a row. They'll have to play him. McCaffrey had 158 scrimmage yards in that game. Mm-hmm. The most that the Rams have allowed in a single game over the last three years. And that was his uh, that was McCaffrey's season high as well. Uh, the the time before that, when McCaffrey faced the Rams in week one, 2019, he had 209 scrimmage yards. <laughs> so like he knows how to beat up on these Rams. And I, I do think the 49ers will get him more involved. will utilize him more, especially if Debo is out, especially if Debo is out. Like I love him hitting this over for his scrimmage yards or whatever his receiving yards are. Um, definitely taking that. I would be fascinated to see the Christian McCaffrey longest yardage play. I think he's going to break a big one in this game, especially like you said, if Debo's out, I really think he's going to be the focal point. He's going to be the guy the Niners look to, to do that big play. Maybe it'll be a pass, a wheel route out of the backfield or something. Maybe it'll be a run. I don't know, but I really think that the offense is going to flow through him, especially if Debo's out, especially if Kyle Juszczyk is out. And that's a big deal for the 49ers. Their offense is way better passing and rushing when Kyle Juszczyk is on the field than it is without him. Uh, And he's not going to be there because he's recovering from a a freak broken finger injury last week, actually. His finger got stuck in somebody's helmet. But So I think it's going to be CMC. Uh, I think he's going to have a big game. I think he's going to have a big play, at least one. And I hope so because if we've just talked about all show, if the Niners don't get those big plays, they don't score. Yeah, I think McCaffrey is going to definitely have to be used more as well because the Rams are really, really, really good at covering the tight end position. So if we're hoping for George Kittle to have the same type of game he's had the last couple of weeks, I don't think that's going to happen. So I I would be interested to see where his line's at, and I might consider the under there, but I do hate taking unders. (laughs) So I really think if Debo's out and the Rams are really good at covering the tight end position, it's going to come down to Ayuk and McCaffrey, and they're going to have to do their thing uh, so I, I, I'm going to bet on McCaffrey here over Ayuk because Ayuk is great, but he's so his usage is so inconsistent that I just don't like betting on him. I'm totally rooting for the kid. I just, it's too risky, but you know, one thing you can definitely bet on like a hundred, like maybe just throw down a thousand yeah, bucks. On I know it. what it is. Matthew Safford throwing an interception. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to happen, right? All he does is throw interceptions. The Rams have the most giveaways this season and Stafford has accounted for 11 of those 13 turnovers. He had two turnovers in each of the three regular season games versus the 49ers since 2021 or sorry, each of his last three regular season games, but like he he's going to throw an interception. He's going to throw an interception. 
And the weird thing is, it's like, it's not like your guy has to make an amazing play to get the interception. He's going to throw it right <laughs> to you. Yeah. He does like, and Jimmy does the same thing once per game. At least it's coming right to you. Take the Stafford over on 0.5 interceptions. Take the Jimmy Garoppolo over. We keep telling you, even last week against the Chiefs, Michelle was like the perfect Jimmy Garoppolo experience. They get down at the goal line. He throws a pass. A light floater in the flat to the left side. I don't know how it wasn't intercepted. It literally passed through both hands of the defender. The next play, Jimmy drops a dime under pressure to Jeff Wilson coming out of the backfield that Wilson loses in the sun. And the play after that, he throws the touchdown pass to George Kittle. It's three plays there. It was just the the whole Jimmy Garoppolo experience. But we know they're going to turn the ball over. And that's what it is for the Niners. When they don't turn the ball over, they generally win. And for whatever reason against the Rams, they've done a good job of taking care of the ball and the Rams have not. Yeah. I mean, Garoppolo has outperformed Stafford in in their matchups head to head. He really has. Like he's done a much better job against the Rams defense than Stafford has against the 49ers defense. I will give him that. And I mean, Stafford is just like Stafford's so lucky he won the Super Bowl last year. He has 25 <laughs> interceptions since the start of last season. The most in the NFL, obviously. The next yep. closest is 21. He has four more interceptions than the next closest player, who I think is Trevor Lawrence. It's just he's a turnover machine, but he makes big. Well, last year he was making big plays. Also, the issue is this year he's a turnover machine still, but not making those big splash plays, which is just destroying the Rams. The the part that scares me is now they've had their buy. Did they fix their issues? Right. We shall see. But they were a very bad team heading into the buy. Like I, the Rams should, or the 49ers should have no issue beating this team. It's just did they make adjustments after the buy? We'll, we'll see. I almost don't worry about that as much because it's a divisional game because they play each other so often. The coaches know each other so well. It's like, "Oh, the Rams have had extra time to prepare." It's like, "Yeah, but it's not like they were losing before because they didn't have, they didn't know the 49ers well enough. So yeah. I, I almost don't mind that. The thing with Brandon Ayuk, I'll say he's, he's been mu- much better the past two weeks, eight catches for 83 and two touchdowns against the Falcons, seven catches in 82 last week against the chiefs. Jimmy Garoppolo has said in back-to-back weeks, openly praising Brandon Ayuk, talking about the strides that Brandon Ayuk has made recently that, have given Jimmy more trust in him for whatever reason. I don't know what the strides are, but Jimmy has talked about more and more how Ayuk is coming on and things are good and he's taking steps and all that kind of thing. And we are seeing that on the field. So maybe he can step it up and continue that. I keep telling people, remember, he was the first round draft pick, not Debo Samuel. He was the guy that this team thought was a stud. I think he can be. He hasn't been up to this point, but maybe it's starting now. And I hope it is because if Debo's out, they're going to need it. Yeah. I mean, Debo had 115 receiving yards against the Rams in week four. That was like, I think that's the only game this season. He even has 100 scrimmage yards in a game. He owns so the Rams. This could be an IU game. Although, you know, if Debo's out, then Ramsey could just focus in on stopping Ayuk. Mm-hmm. So again, I just don't feel great about betting hits because you know Ayuk. If Devo's out, they're going to put Ayuk's line even higher than he normally is, which they yeah. should. So I'm going to stick with McCaffrey here. I think this is his game. CMC, God, we need it because those four draft picks ain't coming back. So we might as well get a little bit of a return on our investment. Last question I want to ask you before we go: 
Levin said this yesterday with me, and I totally believe it. Loser of this game, out of the NFC West discussion, and maybe out of the playoff discussion. Would you agree? I don't think so for the 49ers. Even the I, division? I don't think so for the 49ers because the 49ers won the first matchup. I think if the Rams lose and they're, you know, they lost twice to the 49ers, like also the 49ers beat the Seahawks. So I don't think this is it for them, even with the division, definitely not for the playoffs. I, I do think it would become pretty sketch for the Rams, but still they'd only be three and four, but they do have some, they have the chiefs. I mean, the, the issue is when you look at, at the schedules, you're like every team in the NFL besides <laughs> the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles all suck. I mean, they really do. They really well, the do. Cowboys record's pretty good. Yeah, but like when you're thinking about the teams themselves, like are mm -hmm. they beatable? Like every team is beatable besides like – like realistically beatable. Like we could do this. It's a 50, 50 coin flip. That's pretty much every team besides the chiefs, the bills and the Eagles. Yeah. It's, it's a weird year, but look, when your team is struggling, that's the kind of year you want it to be. Cause they still have a shot. 49ers are going to attempt to write the ship this week. Hopefully they do it against the Rams for what would be the eighth straight time in the regular season. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate review and follow the Niners nation podcast network. We always read your reviews. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those that are coming in plenty more coming from Niners nation. We got the crossover podcast with Kenny Arthur of turf show times. That's going to come out tomorrow. He and I took a deep dive into this matchup and just what's going on there. And then of course, after the game, you know where to go. Niners nation, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, my Twitch page at stats on fire. Feel free to subscribe to that instant reaction show. Levin and I'll be there breaking it all down hopefully praising you for your insight and genius michelle which you have laid out on the show today thank you very much thanks well good luck to the 49ers please win please make me happy <laughs> i need happiness in football bye y'all